In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. This show will attempt to find the good, the bad, and the weird, and convey them in a seriously irreverent way. Get ready, adventurer, and as always, we apologize for the inconvenience. Hi, I'm Steven. I'm Aaron. And I'm John. Today we are in studio with Jeff Bezdek. Hi, Jeff. Hi. Thanks Welcome for coming. Thank, Thank you for you. joining us. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a <laughs> mighty <laughs> fine time. How often do you get to have an interview sitting on a couch? Exactly. And, and on the most comfy, beautiful couch in all of the metro. You know, you could almost <laughs> recline and just lay down on your side and pull the microphone out in front of you and just kind of recline like you're at home. And you know what? That reminds me. Oh, we need to bring pillows and blankets. Oh, my God. No, we do. No, we don't. <laughs> this couch needs so, pillows and blankets. So to the point, <laughs> Jeff, you are, I don't know the title of it, but you're overseeing the streetcar for Oklahoma City in, in a sense, right? What What is your role in that? Well, now I'm on a committee with nine other people. Oh, okay. So I kind of started the project in a sense. I, I campaigned for it before the voters approved it in MAPS. Uh, which was in 2009, December 2009. This is MAPS 3. Uh-huh. Yep. It was MAPS 3. And uh, so I kind of ran the campaign, and then once it made it through the process of getting approved, then the mayor and the city council appointed 10 people okay. to kind of oversee it. Okay. And believe me, the city staff wish we did not exist. <laughs> I mean, there, there's a... There's a desire to not have committees, but, you know, part of the MAPS, you know, mantra is that there will be citizens overseeing right. each project. So there's some accountability. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, the city council itself ultimately has responsibility over the projects. But we make recommendations, you know, about how it's built and kind of s escort that that project through the process and there's 10 people that oversee the park 10 people that oversee the uh, convention center uh, project uh, the wellness centers they have a swimming pools in them for the seniors mm -hmm. uh, hike and bike trails sidewalks uh, oh in the river of course the stuff that's going on mm -hmm. in the river so and you're also kind of moving into a little bit of what would be uncharted territory. I mean, the current people involved in what's going on in the city have never dealt with trying to put in a roll car before. I mean, the city had one years and years ago. But I'm sure there's unique challenges to this that haven't really had to be dealt with before. So it's kind of learning as you go, right? Absolutely. There is no one in the city experienced with right. putting this stuff <laughs> in. And uh, we rely heavily on consultants who have done it in other cities, uh, mm -hmm. Portland, Seattle, so you Atlanta. just posted a picture from Kansas City? I did. I mean, they, uh, they've had a similar initiative. It's been more limited to downtown in terms of uh, they have a taxation district that paid for their streetcar system. But they had a campaign for it just like we did in MAPS. Oklahoma City is unique in that the entire city you know, shares in voting for MAPS. Mm -hmm. uh, and MAPS is the sales tax that, you know, is generating a, mm -hmm. a penny on every dollar. Uh, 
citywide, but in Kansas City, their system is is, is really nice. It's it's stretching through the core downtown and connecting and all the is, districts. Is, is under construction currently. It is. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's in testing right now. I think you know, a few weeks they'll be taking riders for the first time. So whenever I, I I love Kansas City, and any time that I visit there. I've always felt like it was sort of this kind of cooler, hipper version of Oklahoma City. And I've always felt like that, you know, we could start heading that direction. So it's kind of funny that they're doing the the rail and now we're kind of like following up right behind them. The timing is really good for us. Mm-hmm. And, it is. Uh, you've got a lot of people moving downtown, a lot of ha- housing units being built and uh, diversification of businesses down here, more density. And... I would like to think that when the streetcar system is operational, maybe we'll stop tearing down historic buildings from <laughs> right. parking garages, you know, <laughs> or maybe relocate the right. garages, mm-hmm. you know, where Further there's already, out. you know, empty lots. Yeah, empty like lots. Like the idea of maybe somebody coming in from the suburbs can go and, you know, park in a big lot and then ride the streetcar in. Well, exactly. that's how DC works. You know, you park, like, if you live on the outskirts of DC, like we lived in Columbia, Maryland, you, you know, you take the interstate down to a parking area and you park, then you take, you know, mass transportation into DC. Exactly. And I feel like, yeah, we've, we've, you know, congregate or just stuffed all of this parking into the central core of Oklahoma city and everybody's bringing these cars in and it's, it's not the best use of that space. Well, exactly. And, you know, you look at events like H and Ace and various festivals we have, or really, you know, successful restaurants. Mm-hmm. And people like to congregate with one another. And you achieve that when you have some degree of density, you know, framing of your environment. And, uh, you know, if who wants to sit out next to a parking lot? Right. So <laughs> I think that has a lot to do with why Uptown is regaining mm-hmm. such resurgence in that area. You know, we're having pockets of success. And in theory, the streetcar will unify a lot of those pockets sure. together, enable these districts to um, uh, enjoy their own, you know, vitality between each one. Yeah, just picture one one rail car going down Walker could take you from Paseo, Uptown, Midtown. Well, you actually, that downtown. would be unbelievably <laughs> awesome if I could be in Paseo and then just jump on a streetcar that will take me to the Plaza District. That'd be pretty yes. cool. Please. <laughs> I want to get in my car. <laughs> and I should maybe ride my bike over there every once in a while, but that would be awesome to be able to take the streetcar. I love my car. I mean, I, I really enjoy it. I'm kind of a gearhead, so mm-hmm. enjoy working on it and driving it fast. But <laughs> <laughs> Which doesn't, doesn't do well in the, right. the core of the city. Either. No, like, no. <laughs> but on the highways, we it's kind of fun. But, you know, we cannot build our way out of our future growth, highway-wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, all you have to do is try to go to Norman between exactly. 345 and 6. Right. And you know what I'm talking about. Um, Broadway extension isn't terrible, but it has its congestion points in the morning and the and during rush hour. Um, and, you know, our city is slated to grow significantly by 2040. Absolutely. So with all these new people... Um, you know, you can't build enough parking garages, you can't build enough highway lanes. So we have to start thinking like all the other cool big cities Mm -hmm. do and provide multiple ways of people getting around. And we're just not there yet. We have not 
invested in public transit in this city significantly in 60 years, up until the streetcar project. Well, now, you said you were sort of the spearhead at getting the thing into the maps proposal. Is that, did I hear you that right? You yes. Were, so, like, what was it that, like, looking at bigger cities and seeing that, that caused you to try to drive that in? I mean, I'm curious as to why you decided all of a sudden, I'm going to put, I'm going to fight for the streetcar and maps and why target maps? Was that just this most logical point of entry for it? Or, I mean, I'm just curious well, how you got that. How did you get that idea in your head to like. To, to understand that wouldn't mean that you'd have to understand something about me. <laughs> okay. But um, my father was a bus driver. And as a kid, um, I experienced him moving from being just a bus driver on up into running uh, a bus system down in Texas. And so public transit was dinner table talk. It's like in your yeah, blood. Okay, yeah. yeah. And then my dad, when he um, became administrator, he had one of those Motorola suitcase phones that fit mm. in a briefcase. Nice. <laughs> and he had to have this thing on him all the time um, because if there was a wreck or a bus broke down or something happened, they would literally call him and he would, you know, dispatch other buses out. And so he would come to school every once in a while to pick me up. And, uh, you know, this little red inspector gadget light would start blinking on top of the <laughs> briefcase and he would flop it open and pull out, you know, a four foot long antenna <laughs> and all the kids in school would freak out. You know, they'd be like, ah, you know, Jeff's dad. And, and they had no concept of what he did. But, um, you know, I, so, somebody important. Yeah, yeah. Well. and it was just fascinating to me to see the internal workings of how a city functions mm -hmm. from that standpoint. And uh, I was working for uh, Roland, the music keyboard mm -hmm. corporation, and um, they have a plant out in uh, Hillsboro, Oregon, which is a suburb of Portland, um, and they make church organs there. And we did work for Roland in Oklahoma, our company did. Mm -hmm. And um, I had to fly up there about once a quarter for a few years and got to experience their streetcar system. And I had no familiarity with... Hillsboroughs or um, Portland's? Portland's, okay. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know. I mean, my hotel was on the streetcar line, and I just had no concept of how cool it was. Um, but... If you've ever been to a city, and back then, of course, I say back then, it wasn't that long ago, but you know, people didn't have smartphones. Right, right. So I like to venture out, and um, I was you know, running around Portland at one in the morning, going to Powell's Books and shutting it down. You know, How cool. You know, and the thing that made me feel comfortable as a visitor was the rails in the ground because I knew that the streetcar would come by eventually. And yeah. if we're, you know, at the absolute worst, I could follow the tracks back to uh -huh. where I started and I couldn't get lost. And so, um, there was an immense sense of security having that physical presence of the rail in the ground. And then the streetcar being brightly illuminated would come by and pick you up and it was so 
crazy about them is they're kind of like the monorail at Disneyland, Mm -hmm. but they're on the ground. And so you have this sort of futuristic thing you're getting into with a computerized lady talking to you. Yeah. You said that because I was driving over here. I was thinking of that Simpsons episode where the monorail comes to Springfield. Absolutely. And they sing that song. Monorail. 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 But I was really afraid that someone was going to like Photoshop my face on like the pinstripe suit salesman. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. I mean, I thought that that would happen, you know, that somebody would, you know, put a name tag on Chuck to a city meeting. Oh, but it's over with now. We're getting the monorail. It's coming. (laughs) It's coming. But I was looking at some of the, the pictures or maybe I guess it's a rendering of what the cars would look like. And they do, they do have a futuristic, Look to them, and I guess there might be people out there when they think of, like, you know, we're getting a streetcar, they might be imagining, you know, like the old San Francisco streetcar mm-hmm. or something that um, is probably not quite in tune with reality. And yeah, these are kind of sleek looking, you know, train cars, basically. They look like, like they can go super fast, yeah. although they're intended to mix with traffic. So they're really only going the speed of traffic. But, you know, when you're in something that large, you do feel the sense of momentum, even mm-hmm. at a slower speed. And, uh, you know, the, the train can handle about 124 passengers on it at a time uh, if it were completely full. And you imagine if, well, that's what we call crush load. Mm-hmm. And um, you imagine that, you know, one of these things is coming by every 10 minutes. I mean, it's a different phenomenon for Oklahoma mm-hmm. City, it for is. sure. And it, it's supposed to be the central point. You know, we can make fun of it because it, it has that Disneyland appeal to it. I mean, I imagine there are going to be a lot of kids that are going to just want to ride this sure. thing around on weekends. But uh-huh. um, the idea was that this would be kind of the centerpiece to a commuter rail system in a enhanced bus network. Mm-hmm. So that once you got downtown, you had this high-frequency modern thing that would allow you to get around without your car. Um, but the idea was that it would be successful in people driving to work as they do now. And, you know, they want to go to McNally's. They want to go to a meeting on the north side or midtown and they get on the streetcar and they don't have to drive to midtown to park. That's a actu- uh, actually a really interesting idea because a lot of people think of having their own individual vehicle as a sense of freedom. Like, well, I've got my car, I can do whatever I want. But yeah, when you're downtown, it's actually a completely different sense of freedom because you don't have to worry about where am I going to park? Do I have cash to park? Does this, does this place take cars to park? Do I have to go into the garage? You just have your, I don't know how it's going to work, like your little ticket or something, and you just jump onto the rail and go wherever you want, and you don't have to screw with your car. I think the first time I ever felt that sense of excitement in Oklahoma City was when I first started using Uber and uh, I think it was during the mm-hmm. Dead Center Film Festival. You know, oh, we yeah. we went to see a lot of a, mov- a lot of movies. We went to a lot of parties. Spent a lot of time going to different appointments around here. And the f- ability to just call an Uber car and not even have to think about my car and just the freedom provided a freedom of movement that was exactly. exhilarating. I never had that sensation here. And to think that a rail car would just run all the time that could provide that to us and that could eventually expand out to the suburbs and go even farther than downtown? Maybe? So the streetcar system is kind of your local. 
and it connects to Santa Fe Station, which is that beautiful mm-hmm. old historic Art Deco building. Where you can uh, catch the Heartland Flyer right mm-hmm, now. Right, right now, yep. Mm-hmm. And that is where your train, which is a commuter rail train, which would you know run like diesel or compressed natural gas. Um, it, it's kind of funny because you use those fuels to generate electricity, and electricity actually is what runs a locomotive which is why they call it locomotive. But uh, yeah, so like these big freight trains that are going by, they're actually, they're... Electric? Yeah. Yeah. They're using a diesel generator to generate electricity to power the motors. The streetcar runs on electricity too. Um, But it's, you know, connected to a physical wire or running on battery power. Um, But eventually, you know, if we build the system we envision... Edmond and Norman, Midwest City Tinker Air Force Base through Dell City is connected by Express Transit, which mm-hmm. is the is the locomotive commuter rail. And then you overlay that with a good bus system. Uh, there's been some talk about an express bus up Northwest Expressway, for example, and out to the out to the west. And then just b- better bus service all around. Right. And then the epicenter of that is Santa Fe Station. So you would uh, you use one of those modes to get d- to downtown in the future, and then you would transfer to the streetcar, and you don't have a car Sounds involved at all. Awesome. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. So, you know, I, Uber is interesting because Uber, when this project was first proposed, I don't think it existed, or it certainly didn't exist I've, to the... Yeah, I, haven't used, I haven't been using Uber for an ear, a year yet, I don't think. Mm-mm. No. So it'll be interesting to see because some of that functionality you're talking about, you know, you'll be able to see where the streetcars are on your phone. Will you really? Uh huh. I don't think so. There could be. A, It'll probably be more. I, mean, I would also think they'd be more affordable than Uber. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about you know a dollar or two. Yeah. I don't know how much is an Uber check. Depends on where you're going. Uh, five guys. bucks on average, up to if I take one out to the suburbs, it's fifteen. Or let's say if we take one from Bricktown, say like over to the Civic Center, that's probably like five bucks. Yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of a, a route. That one of the was it the Blue Line? I think is what the first main line is. Like the Blue Line would mm-hmm. take care of that for you. you know? Yeah. Um, and here in Bricktown, we're actually we we're, we just unveiled. We're doing two streetcar lines, the blue line and the red line. Mm-hmm. And so the red line is kind of the Bricktown to Convention Center uh, circulator. So in Bricktown and the Convention Center, they'll actually have trams coming by every seven minutes. Every seven minutes? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's fantastic. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nuts. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, and a lot of people, they don't, they don't realize that maps, I mean, we, we talk about maps all the time. We talk about the canal and the ballpark and all the stuff that's going on. But, I mean, just south of where we're at to the southwest, I mean, we're about to spend $550 million down there. I mean, we're not talking about the streetcar system. You add that on top of it. But the new convention center, which was controversial, but right. it's going to get built. Right. And then you've got the new park that's going mm-hmm. in, which is like mm-hmm. uh, Mary Gardens on steroids. Yeah. It, it, our city is really going to change. It can't happen fast enough. And one of the things that makes me sad is that a lot of these changes 
you know, people will see them in progress, but they won't be absolutely completed before the next maps vote. And so I right. hope that, you know, when the, the next maps comes that there's enough, you know, wind in the sails, steam in the engine to convince people to continue voting for it. Because, uh, you know, Streetcar will be opening up right after the vote. But, you know, our our intention was to try to get it up and running before the before the next election. Could there be maybe like a little sample streetcar running somewhere that people could at least check out and see before the actual system opens? Like kind of a, I don't know, display? You know, like, hey, you can jump in and it'll go down like three blocks just so people can check it out and see. That's a goal. Okay. To get one here that people can walk through, see it. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it doesn't move, I think it's probably exciting enough. Right. And yeah. it's like seeing a Tesla for the first time, yeah. you know? So, I mean, I had that, my first real experience with a streetcar was when I went to Amsterdam, and the streetcar was actually like only probably a third thing on the list that shocked me about that city because biking is like by far and away the number one mode of transportation over there, and just to see that many bikes in this condensed in the city was crazy. But what struck me about the streetcar is people were walking everywhere, and then like the first time I even really noticed it it scared me because it kind of snuck up on me it was so quiet yeah they are they're super quiet but at the same time it wasn't i say it was scary but it was more of just shock value because it did this amazing job of navigating through these massive crowds of people i mean there's tons of people walking biking all over the place barely cars but this streetcar was moving and it was just so awesome to see it move to watch the people part and and it was it was like this weird alien ship in that strange gliding through the city <laughs> but like you said it also kind of gave you the sense of security to know it's like oh yeah i know that that streetcar comes by here so i'm going to keep going this way cuz obviously it's going somewhere and i know if i need to get back where i was i like you're saying i can follow the tracks or i can grab the one that comes the other direction and so let minutes. me ask you a question do you think a bus would have the same reaction no no buses i i no <laughs> i I don't like buses and it's not, and it's not, that's not like a reaction to our bus system at all because I've never been on our bus system to give you any, but I've been on, I've ridden the bus in San Francisco. I've ridden in DC and numerous places and it's great and they serve their functions, but it's not the same impact that that streetcar has by look or by operation. I mean, it's, uh, it's a whole different. Well, this is, this is what I think of when getting on the streetcar and if we're talking about a fill, there is a certain, there's a little sense of adventure in it. You're standing there, you're waiting for the, like, the train whoosh, comes up, the doors open, you jump on this train, and the doors close, and then you take off, you know, and then you're watching everything fly you by. You know what and, I think of, I don't, only because I've been recently reading Harry Potter to my daughter, and we've been watching the movies, but <laughs> something they put at the beginning of the sixth movie that's not in the books is Harry Potter sitting in a cafe outside of uh, the underground, mm-hmm. um, and he said that he just enjoyed writing it. It was it was a sense of excitement. He it made him feel good to ride it. So I could see, you know, just coming down here just to ride them for fun. Well, that sense of wonderment is what I had when I first experienced it in sense. Portland, and I became a little bit obsessed. And um, when I said earlier, how how do you you were asking me how how I got involved in this, um, I. Volunteer. I have volunteered for various people who have run for various offices. And uh, Mayor Cornette, when he ran for the first time, 
I volunteered for him because I, I liked him over his opponent. And throughout the years, I just kind of kept tabs on him and said, you know, when, when is the right time to bring up public transit? And he said to me, um, well, this maps would, would, we'll consider it. You know, but it'll have to be a practical plan. And the problem with maps is that it doesn't take care of your operating revenue long term. Right. It only builds the thing. So you got to figure out how to, oh, to pay okay. for it on this ongoing uh, basis. And we got to do that with the convention center and the park mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, but there was this binder created by consultants back in 2005. And it has all the commuter rail in it and all the extra buses and bus drivers. And, and uh, buried in it is the streetcar. And ironically, the streetcar is the most expensive thing in the entire system. I mean, if you were to take part of it out, mm-hmm. it's the most expensive thing, but it's the cheapest to operate. Weird. Mm. Yeah. So it actually kind of fits maps really well. It does. In a sense. And so, you know, we, we tried to, well, we did a rollout. We tried to treat this as if we were trying to get a person elected. And the rollout was was intriguing because mayor didn't want to step on any toes and get ahead of the council. Um, but we had all these quotes of him saying, you know, we need to build a tw- you know 21st century transit system. And uh, I went to now Senator Holt, which was his assistant, and I'm like, you know, can I use a picture of the mayor and can I give him the quote endorsing this project? And he's like, no. Um, you know, he's not ready to come out and endorse anything. And I kind of knew from my other campaign experience that we had to get out early enough to get the public behind it. As if the public wasn't behind it, then the chamber would never go for adding this thing into maps. So (laughs) he said, you know, I can't prevent you from taking a picture off the C's website, the mayor and, you know, finding a quote right. and putting yeah. it out there. And so we ripped off a picture of the mayor <laughs> and a quote that he had made in That's the funny. Stay the City address and just plastered on all of our campaign materials. And it came across like this was, you know, a city initiative. Uh, and our launch was strategically timed. And we kind of knew when the chamber was going to put out the convention center, which was their big project. They wanted their convention center. And so we kind of knew that, you know, hey, the convention center is going to be rolled out on this day. And there was a uh, reporter um, with the Gazette who, um, Ben Fenwick, I don't know if you know Ben, but he writes for uh, Oklahoma Watch. And he took an interest in the project and convinced the editor to make it a cover story. And uh, they wrote about 3,500 words, which is what it takes to explain something this complicated. Uh. And um, they kind of knew about the convention center, too, and they put it out on the same day that the convention center was rolled out to the press. So I had a delivery truck bring stacks of gazettes with the streetcar in the front of it and deliver it to the to the Cox Convention Center where the state of the city was going on, and we dumped them out on <laughs> all awesome. the media tables. <laughs> and, I, you know, forgive me, but 
you know, we can have this cool conversation on a couch and talk mm, about right. this, but you know, the television media, they've got 30 seconds. Exactly. And so we kind of just hit them all up and they saw the Gazette and somehow this narrative got rolled out, you know, that the chamber and the city rolled out the convention center, the streetcar today. <laughs> 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 and so, you know, it, it just gelled in the public mind. Perfect. That, you that know, it was this, all just this one yeah, big push. this one big push. And, um, and now it is because that's well, the way exactly. it played out. So now it is. Yeah. And, Fake it you till know, you make it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and and we thought, well, you know, we're going to have to sell the power brokers, the business community on that this is a good project. So we somehow managed to raise, I don't know, maybe $10,000 from volunteers. Nice. Um, we we hit the streets and we raised a bunch of money and we rented the ballroom at the Skirvin. Oh, did you rent? Wow, yeah. Fancy. And I was so nervous. I was throwing back drinks, <laughs> and all these people showed up. I mean, it, it was completely full on the top floor, and we rolled out the streetcar to the business community. And, uh, you know, part of the argument was that nobody will vote for more buses, or very, mi- you know, minority of the voters, because the buses have these stigmas attached to them. Yeah. And so, you know, the idea was that if we could get this in, then we could sell a bigger initiative. Like, people would see the rail system, right. they would experience for the, for the first time, and we could get the commuter rail and more and, buses. And then they'll see how, they'll say, okay, well, this is cool, but now we can see how a expanded bus system will tie in with this. Yeah. And then they would be more supportive of it. Exactly. That was the idea. And, um, you know, right now the mayors of the various cities are working together to try to um, come up with a plan that they can get everybody to vote on. Not, I mean, not just Oklahoma City, but Norman and Moore and Dell City, Midwest City and Edmond. Yeah. And it's nuts to think that suburbanites in Edmond are for this, but they are. Absolutely. I think I think they are eager to be considered part of the growth of Oklahoma City. I don't think they want to be left out of that. We see a lot of that or heard a lot about that those opinions um, from Jill Castilla and the folks that heard on heard that Edmund wants to kind of get a taste of, of this regrow this rebirth that Oklahoma City is experiencing. So I that's awesome that they'd want to be a part of that and support well, that they because be. it's they should be. It'll it'll help funnel them down here and then Reverse, you know, it'll, if, if Edmund wants to start doing things in conjunction with Oklahoma City, like more things like Herd on Herd on Herd, it can help send us up there, too. So just, you know, expanding the availability of all locations. Yeah, that would be great if I could jump on a, great on a rail and yeah, go up to, you know, Edmund. If I wanted to, you know, go spend a night at the Patriarch or something, I can get up there on the train. Well, this would be a really complicated vote. It'd be like the Metropolitan Library system, because you can... You know, trying to time out a multi-city, multi-county vote where, you know, thousands upon thousands of people vote for the same thing at the same time is very complicated. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of logistics to that. A lot of logistics. And I think that, um, you know, we're entering kind of a strange political period. Yes, we are. Because we're, we're in it, actually. I mean, we have this economic downturn. Mm-hmm. We don't have MAPS projects completed yet. <laughs> 
we have um, an initiative by some citizens to push for um, more investment in the neighborhoods through the next maps, yep. uh, which is, hey, you know, I get that. Um, but, you know, trying to crystallize those ideas into something that people can get excited about. I think that's the challenge. You know, what are those jewels that are going to get people to vote? Particularly mm. if you're in a downturn period due to right. the mini recession that we're in. And so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. You know, I've been following the maps for neighborhood folks uh, pretty ardently. I've been a, uh, the first meeting they had at, on the northeast side at the Ellison Library with you, Stephen. Yeah. And, um, you know, I hope that if they are serious, which I think they are, that they have the chutzpah to crystallize these ideas that they're getting back from the citizens into something that's tangible that they can get the business community to support and the city council to support. And uh, I think the city council and probably the chamber and the business community are looking for those jewels um, that people will vote for, and I don't think they know what those are yet. So do you think that there's going to be a little bit or a little more visible competition with the maps for revenue coming up soon that, I mean, I, I know there's the push for maps for money to go to like neighborhoods and it sounds like possibly some maps for money to go to the transportation system. Is it, is it going to be a, such a thing where it's like going to be one or the other, like maps for cannot encompass both of these things. It can encompass one or the other. I think the maps for neighborhoods initiative is only expecting part of the maps for they don't think the whole thing is going to be maps for neighborhoods. They just want some of it. Yeah, they want part of it because they understand there's going to be you're not going to you know if if there's another convention center like project that the chamber has locked itself into like you're saying Jeff about finding a gem to really get voters behind if they if somebody comes up with some initiative like a big project they're not going to want to compete with that. Right. But there's a lot of money you know, like you're saying, we've in Maps Three, we funded convention centers and streetcars and parks, and so they're just saying let's spend some attention a little further out from the core. Okay. And some of those talks in that first meeting, public transit was a big part of that. I mean, it was everything from sidewalks to more bus routes to longer bus routes to better bus uh, stops. I mean, all that stuff was was brought up. So I mean, it could be part of Maps for Neighborhoods. It could be just in general, like oh yeah, overall. Now we have the streetcar. Maybe we need 20% more buses and these routes need to extend and the times need to extend. And now it makes more sense because now you get those neighborhoods to the streetcar. Well, then that would be a good thing then, right? If we bring Maps 4 to the public and say it's going to address multiple great things, right? Yeah, if they can crystallize it into a form that people can easily comprehend or easily and, digest yeah and, and get excited about you get, yeah, get excited you know about. you talk about sidewalks i mean that's a quality of life initiative um so w what are you talking about there you know a few more miles of sidewalks i mean we have a master plan mm -hmm. of sidewalks that haven't been built yet that need to be funded so you know if you say well i want to finish the master plan for sidewalks and all these areas that that's probably something that people can get excited about the transit issue on um in ward seven on northeast side was was interesting to me because i know it it's um 
if you don't have a car, you're you're dead in the water oh, in yeah. Oklahoma City. I mean, our bus system is much better than it was, but it's still far, far um, too thin in terms of its coverage and its frequency and its hours. And, you know, you'll get people up who say, look, I'm taking unemployment. I'm not even looking for a job because the jobs that I'm qualified for require hours that I can't get around because the bus system doesn't run late enough. And, you know, you think about service industry jobs, they start really early or they run really late. Mm -hmm. And um, another interesting element in this political climate is a national one, which is um, this income inequality issue. Mm -hmm. And I think those folks really feel it. I mean, they know what it's like to be stuck. Um, They can't get around. They can't afford to get a taxi, and yet they're ridiculed for not having a job. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of a, a catch-22. Well, mm-hmm. why don't you go out and get a job? Well, I want to, but I don't have any money to get a car that'll get me to my job. Yeah, and the only place I can afford to live is so far out of the way from where those jobs are, I can't even get to the job, even if I right. could. If our city is serious about addressing income inequality, um, homelessness, um, just economic development in general. And, you know, if you give someone a job uh, and enable, enable them to take that job, um, they're, they have money in their pocket. They're going to exactly. spend somewhere else. Exactly. So, you know, public transit is important to the health of the city, and we don't give it the funding it deserves, it really needs. Um, Streetcar might be more attractive than a bus, but we've got to invest in our bus system far more than we're doing. And um, we should expand the streetcar system. We should build a bus rapid transit system. And we're we're not there yet. And I'm hoping that in the next maps, some of that, if not all of it, would be funded. But, you know, we haven't done anything in 60 years since we tore out the original streetcar system. Yeah. So it's a big And that would be expense, cool to see a streetcar you know? show back up on class. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. that would be awesome. I read, the, or I heard this, or read it, or, so I don't, I can't say for sure that I'm going to get this 100% correct. But the original, the original streetcar, specifically the Classen line, was built, from my understanding, by developers who bought up that land out there before anything was there. And their intention was, we know we've got all this land, we want to develop it, but we know it's not going to be valuable to anybody unless people can get to it. That's right. So they built this streetcar to make sure people could get to where their property was. And then, lo and behold, people could get out there. They felt comfortable getting out there. They bought land. They built houses. They built businesses. And then once the property was developed, that was when the usefulness of that streetcar in the terms of the people who were operating it subsided because, well, now my property has been developed and that is sort of the reason why it went into disrepair and then eventually was removed. I don't know if that's, if I'm saying that exactly right, but that's the, the, the first part of that's more important, I think, than the last part, because it's, it is evidence in our history of look what happened when we put a streetcar and we allowed people to get to this place. It was developed, it boomed, boomed yeah. it exploded and it expanded the city. So that same mentality should apply here. It's like the minute you can move people from one place to the other, that's when they start interacting. If you want, we've got all this density in downtown now and all of these great little districts popping up. 
they're they're already succeeding and doing a great job, but they're still not tapping the Moore, the Norman, the Yukon, the Edmund, the the Ward Seven, the I mean, the, even the very edge of the bubble of Oklahoma City isn't, isn't even fully invested in these areas yet. It's really just the core still. So imagine the growth we'd see if the whole metro complex could now feed in and enjoy all of this mm-hmm. stuff and get back and not have to worry about a car. And like you're saying, I know some people went on a um, an Embark, um, which is our bus system, an Embark pub crawl as kind of this experiment. It was some younger people and I'll be vague unintentionally, but they went on this and I, I had a chance to meet up with them in the middle of this pub crawl. They were doing a test the night before they wanted to see what it was like. And it was hilarious because they were only going from the, the central station downtown to 23rd street. They visited Gaiutis and then they were going to visit, I think it was Rockford. There were two bus stops that they had chosen up there. And so they started the crawl and they got from one place to the other, but then they missed the bus. <laughs> and so they were basically stranded for over an hour because there wasn't another bus coming. And so they ended up, it was kind of funny because they ended up going to the pump and that's where I ran into them <laughs> and heard the story. But it, it, it spawned a conversation of like, it, that was a, a very micro version of this problem of, I can't utilize the bus for this purpose because now I'm beholden to its schedule and its schedule's not enough to make it useful to me for this. Like if I needed to be home by nine o'clock, I missed the bus, I'm screwed because there's not another bus till 11. And so the same thing that like you're saying, people can't, in the real world, that's a job. Like I need to be at a job at eight o'clock in the morning, but the first, the only bus that gets me there is runs at 6 a.m. or 10 a.m. and not at eight o'clock when I need to be there. So then I'm either sacrificing hours out of my day to get there super early in which case, if you're raising a family, that means all of a sudden you've got to find somebody to watch your kid for those two hours or whatever. I mean, the the impacts of that just ripple out just because of the schedule alone, not to mention the stops, the locations, the everything else. So I, mean, I think that's absolutely right. We can't expect to change that stigma of the bus until it's actually useful to people in a really broad sense. I think that, that speaks to the... <clears throat> No, it's a good idea to start with the streetcar first then. Because if people come down to Oklahoma City and see that as an example of what could come, was that kind of the original thought there behind that, that it would be inspirational? Well, from a political standpoint, it was. And the the theory was that this would be the... Um, this would be useful, for one. It would demonstrate what Class A transit services like, what other big cities are doing that we're finally doing. And the idea was, it was the facilitator to get people to fund this bigger plan. And when I say bigger plan, I mean, our project in uh, the streetcar itself is about $130 million. Mm-hmm. The Santa Fe Station project is another $30 million that we're spending. So. We're around $160, $165 million going into public transit. To fix everything, we're talking about a billion dollars. And we're talking about a dedicated, ongoing revenue source. And the statistics um, that have been you know, evaluated show that a quarter of a penny, if we were to permanently make a quarter of a penny um, permanent after the system is built, you know, we could pay the bus drivers, the train operators, and everyone necessary. But 
politically, what has happened after we got it passed and people voted on it is it turned into this uh, political football with some people on council. We had one guy uh, who was completely against it because he thought the free market should take care of everything. And so he, he it was... Always, it doesn't because, always do yeah. that. Because we've seen how well that works all the time. <laughs> well, and we're subsidizing car travel by building streets. Right. So it's kind of a hollow argument. It is. And, and then we, we pay huge taxes on gasoline. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and then we've got another guy who... Um, uh, it became unnecessarily personal with him, um, but he decided that he was going to use a streetcar to contrast everything that was wrong with the bus system. And the problem with that was he demonized the streetcar system to such a point that it turned a lot of people, I think, off I from supporting that. It. I remember him taking the, they were taking the idea of the streetcar saying, all it's going to do is just make people move around in a circle around Bricktown and downtown. It won't funnel anybody in. It won't do any good. Yeah, and, you know, they looked at the cost of it, and they said, just, you know, imagine how many buses we could buy. And it was <laughs> like, but, you know, how are you going to pay for the operators to, how to you run get these? people to ride them? Well, and that's yeah. one of the things you were mentioning earlier, is that the streetcar system is going to have... Um, Low operation. Yeah, it's, it's a much higher upfront cost, but in the future, it's, it's, a, it's a lower cost to operate. But that's right. But the return on that investment would be astronomical. I wish we could all work together to solve this problem. And I'm hoping that uh, people will realize that we can solve it. We can, and we will. But we're all going to have to work together. Mm -hmm. And turning turning this particular project in political football really um, gave me a lot of heartburn. Um <laughs> But it is being built, and there's nothing they can do it's, about it. It's Not coming, a damn yeah. thing Wait, they can do about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember when the original map started. I think I was, I was a, just about to graduate high school um, when it really started to uh, get noticed in the newspapers and on the local news and really starting to hear some of the adults in my life talk about it and just how much it seemed people fought against that idea of building anything cool in Oklahoma City and investing in Oklahoma City. Um, and now, you know, so many years later, it's been a great boon to our economy. I think it's one of the things that's helping I mean, turn us around. How many people, you know, were out there at the time saying, a canal, that's a stupid idea. Nobody's going to enjoy that. And I feel like there are still people out there who dislike it. Uh, there's a little alleyway by my house, and there's a there's an older gentleman that lives there, and I, he looks like he's lived in this house a long time. The house is real dilapidated, and it has these couple of older pickups in the driveway that he still drives. One of them looks like this old 1980s beat up Ford with a camper shell on it and all it has on the back of it on the bumper is this old faded sticker that says not this maps <laughs> 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 and like it, I still feel like that guy still thinks that way like I, we don't I don't want anybody investing in Oklahoma City and using tax money to improve our we're, facilities we're and, terrified we're, of change we're terrified of something new and we want to make sure all of our decisions are based on fear well there's a statistical number to back this up. I mean, I've been through enough of these elections to see, and that's 32%. There are 32% of this community one third, who will never vote for anything. I mean, they're dead setting. You will never reach those people. 
there's always a conspiracy. There's always the man getting getting the do- our dollar. You know, there's always and, there's getting when, the way of the free market is, economy. The funny thing yeah. I come out is that 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 man is already getting your dollar. Like you've you've already lost it to him already. So why not make a decision to where your own money is going to go? And improve the city. Improve well, fortunately, your life. you know we've we've been able to do that. You know, I mean, there's been a majority yes, we, of the people who have, we have evidence of have, that. Yeah, have said this is worthwhile. We need to do more. Um, I hope that you guys have the maps for neighborhood folks in here at some point. Uh, they're scheduled they're, actually. Yeah, they're, oh, okay. <laughs> I think on Friday. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> and you know maybe some city councilors. Um, those are a little harder to get. They're harder to get. And one of the things that I lament observing from a distance is we have very, um, we have adults in city council. They're good people. They're well-intentioned. Um, but to be on city council, you have to be in a semi-privileged position um, because it doesn't pay. Because it doesn't pay anything. It doesn't pay right. anything. So you either have to have the time to volunteer, uh, which either means there's a couple on there that must have some very um, willing jobs, you know, some good, some, some good bosses who are willing to allow them the time um, or you're retired or you're independently wealthy. And I think that over time, one thing that would really, I think better represent all demographics of our city is to have a broader range of people of different backgrounds, but also Absolutely. different ages. Absolutely, it's necessary. So, what's the? I was going to wrap us up because gotcha. we're going to keep going and going. Yeah, and going, I, and going, and going. I now suddenly have like twenty more questions. Yeah. <laughs> so, how can people stay on top of the streetcar? Well, you can go to our Facebook page or our Twitter account. So, OKC Streetcar is the uh, is the Twitter account and the Facebook page. And we'll put out information as it occurs. Right now, I handle both of those accounts personally as a volunteer. At some point, it'll transition over to Embark being the you know system that will operate it. Um, so right that now, will be I try part to of Embark then. So yes. it'll be Embark buses and the streetcar. Okay. Presumably, until we presumably you know push a regional transit authority right. through, and then you know you'd probably see cart and the Edmund Link and these various transit agencies probably consolidate into one. Kind of like when you're out in San Francisco and you see BART. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same concept. So, you know, right now it'll be Embark, and then eventually it'll it'll probably transition to something else. They've done a great job improving their system. So um, I'm pretty happy with everything they've done. But they've still got a long ways to go. I really enjoyed speaking to all of you. Yeah, and thank you. We'd love to do it again in the I future. I think we will. Yeah, it sounds yeah, like we'll we might have updates. a lot more to talk about. I was just. This is the last thing I'm going to say is, it occurs to me that since breaking news right now in Bricktown is that Spaghetti Warehouse is oh, yeah. closed down, and mm-hmm. they have an original streetcar in there. That trolley. That's one of the original <laughs> Oklahoma City streetcars. Really? Yeah. Really? Wow. That's what I read today, and it struck me because you were coming on. I was like, We've just somebody's got to get spaghetti. that. Somebody's got to get that out of there. Oh, and, how cool yeah, is that? And have it out displayed next to the new streetcars mm-hmm. when they come in. Wow. Absolutely. Make it one of the streetcar stops or something. Wow. And I brought a. I, that may yeah, be a couple wrong. Couple things for you, but. Uh, um, 
there's an image of them side by side and you know, yeah, yeah. I wonder if they I would donate today, it so to the city and takes like a tax break or that's something. Like a, that's maybe yeah. secondhand information, but the description I read was it's an original OKC streetcar. That would be awesome to have. Very cool. So, get it. Go get it. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Jeff. Thank you. Yeah, I enjoyed it very much. You bet. Me too. You've been listening to The Wafty Show with Stephen, Aaron, and John. As always, we need to thank Joshua Path for the use of our theme song, Cement Truck, off the album Between Heaven and Jonestown, recorded by the magnificent Kurt PR. Kurt's Kurt's awesome. awesome. That is available on iTunes, CD Baby, and anywhere the internet can be found. Remember, as you go out to visit our local places and events, make sure you take care of those who take care of you. Tip your waiters, waitresses, bartenders, musicians, and artists. They're out there working hard for you. You can help us continue our urban adventures by going to our website, www.waftyshow.com, and clicking on Support Us, where you will find a variety of ways to contribute, including becoming a Wafty Knight, which will grant you access to our exclusive content. We come out with a new episode every Monday. You can find us on iTunes by searching We Apologize for the Inconvenience, where you can subscribe, rate, and comment. We're on soundcloud.com slash show. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Wafty Show, Facebook.com slash Wafty Show, and of course, www.waftyshow.com. We'll, we'll see, see you next week. week. Woo! You get the whiskey, baby. I'll get the wine now, baby.